God is good. How many of you are ready for the Word of the Lord today? You love the Word? We've been talking about Bible blockbusters. The Bible's full of blockbuster events and people. But every one of the messages we've done in this series have been named after a reality TV show so that we'll remember them. So I've already covered these things. Fear Factor, remember that one? And then how to be a survivor. We talked about survivor. And then last time we talked on lost, the real meaning, the worst kind of lost and how to get found. Today I want to talk to you about the apprentice, Donald Trump. No, I bring to you a better than Donald. But that's, and you know the show, he gathers a group of hopefuls and they go through various tests and whatnot until finally somebody is chosen to be Donald Trump's apprentice. But uh, we have been chosen to be a far greater than Donald Trump's apprentice. We have been called to be the apprentices of Jesus Christ. Amen? So I want to read to you out of 1 Kings 19, my favorite people, Elijah and Elisha. I call them the dynamic duo of the Old Testament. And let's read because Elijah in this story is a type of Christ. Elisha is a type of disciple, which is you and me. So we're going to talk about being apprenticed or discipled. Let's read it. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Now the reason he went looking for him real quickly is God had told Elijah, I want you to go anoint Elisha in your stead to be prophet in your place. So he went looking for him and he found him. Look where he found him. Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Translated, just a normal day for Elisha. And God invaded his normal day and changed his life. I preach a God today who invades our normal days and changes our life. Now, it says that he went up to him and he threw his cloak around him, his mantle. And Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said to Elijah, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And Elijah responded, and he said, then I will come with you. But Elijah responded, go back, go back. What have I done to you? He's saying, you know what? If you're going to come, you're going to come. I called you. Now it's up to you. So Elisha left him, went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat. And he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah, and he became his servant. Father, we just thank you right now for the Word of God that builds our faith and changes our life. And I pray that the Word of the Lord will search our hearts today. And Lord, bring every single person in this sanctuary and listening by media, bring them to a place of apprenticeship under the Master. Jesus Christ. Thank you for it in his name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you look way better than the last time I saw you. God must have been blessing you. <laughs> That's a really good way to stay on the good side of whoever is next to you, right? Last night, I'm going to tell you, a couple visited from Denton, and they've been listening to us on the radio. 
And so they said, well, we got to go see, hear him in person. So they came all the way down and came up and met me. And the woman said, you don't look like I thought you would. And I thought, uh-oh, here goes. I said, well, what do you think I was going to look like? And she said, she said, well, we thought you were going to look older. We didn't know you were in your 40s just like us. And I said, I like you. Come back. She really did say that. I don't know what you're thinking. Pastor, she's just flattering you. Well, you know what? It still made my night. I told Kathy as soon as we got in the car. And she said, that woman needed glasses. She didn't really say that. No, here's what she said. Well, she didn't meet me. Well, yeah, not, well, we don't want to have a, a disagreement here before I preach. See, we tell on each other. Some, anyway, God is good. How many of you know that when you got saved, you got called to discipleship? We didn't just get a ticket to fly when Jesus comes back for us, but Jesus said, I want you to take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you will find that my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you'll find rest for your souls. Now, the yoke is what you put on an animal. It's what you put on an animal who was going to be subservient to a leader, to a guide. The yoke means you're no longer your own. The yoke means that you're going to be guided. You're going to be led. Now, here's what the devil will do. He drives you. He pushes you. He's a hard taskmaster. But Jesus guides you, leads you. When we got saved, it wasn't just for heaven, but it was that we would follow him now, that we would allow him to guide our life now. And we're no longer our own. We're bought with a price. So we are called not only to heaven, but to apprenticeship, to discipleship. We have been called to submit to him and follow him. And I want to look today at this whole idea of apprenticeship because it is, it is a Western Christianity myth that you can get saved and later make him your Lord. The Bible doesn't recognize any kind of Christianity where somebody gets saved and he is not immediately also your Lord. You don't make him Lord. You just realize who he is and let him be who he is. He's already Lord. Nobody makes him Lord. Now, Elisha following Elijah is an Old Testament picture of New Testament realities, the reality of discipleship and apprenticeship. Now, keep in mind that Jesus, just like Elijah, apprenticed Elisha, as we're going to see in a moment. Jesus apprenticed his disciples before ever sending them out to touch the world. Now, here's the model. Here's the pattern. It says that Jesus, quote, appointed 12, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Now, there's the divine order. God calls us to be with him, and then he sends us out to minister for him. See, you cannot give what you do not have, and you get anything worth giving from him, because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of change. So we need to spend time with him, because as you spend time with him, he begins to impart to you things that other people are going to need. So 
He called them to be with him. What for? For apprenticeship. For discipleship. That's the divine order. Come on, disciple. Come on, Simon Peter. Come on, John. Come on, James. I want you to be with me for three and a half years. You're going to see what I do and you're going to hear everything I've got to say. I'm going to teach you and lead you and guide you and open your eyes so that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and I send you out into the world, you've got something to give. Before they could preach, they must be with him in apprenticeship. Now, it's the same way with Elisha, a type of disciple, and Elijah, a type of Christ. Now, when I look at how Elisha was trained by Elijah, I see Old Testament pictures of New Testament reality. First, here's what Elisha did. His apprenticeship began with total, complete surrender. He surrendered completely to this man, Elijah. Followed him without question. When Elijah's mantle touched Elisha, destiny leaped into his spirit because he knew this is the mighty man of God. There's not another one like him. This is the man of God for the hour. And he has called me. He has touched me. He has laid his hand upon me. He threw his mantle on me. And so immediately he realized, I'm called to something way bigger than what I'm doing today. There is a high calling on my life. And church, can I tell you, there is a high calling on your life. Now, God's not necessarily going to call you out of what you do, but there is a gift in you, there is a calling on you, and there is a destiny. And as Elijah threw his mantle, his coat onto Elisha, Jesus threw his mantle on us when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. That was the mantle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it fell upon the church. When the mantle fell upon Elisha, it was Elijah saying, you're going to walk where I walked, you're going to know the God I know, and you're going to do the things I did. And Jesus said to you and me, he said, the things that I do you shall also do, and greater than these, because I go to my Father who is in heaven. And then he said, but don't you go do any of it until the mantle falls. And the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost and sat like tongues of fire over each one of their heads. And that was the mantle, the call to do the things that Jesus did. Can you say with me, I'm called. Now say it like you mean it. I'm called. Say with me, I'm gifted. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you're gifted. If you're a believer, the mantle has fallen upon you. How many of you can say the Holy Spirit has fallen onto my life? The Holy Spirit has been given to me. You've got the mantle of the modern-day Elijah, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is with the mantle that he struck the river and it parted in half. The mantle was his authority, was his picture of authority, his symbol of authority. Moses held forth a rod and divided the sea. But Elijah held forth a mantle and divided the river. So the mantle being thrown upon Elisha was a clear call to the prophetic ministry. Elisha immediately demonstrated his desire to obey and carry this mantle because it says he went quickly to his house and slaughtered his oxen and broke up his plow and made a fire and offered up the oxen to the Lord as a sacrifice. And I want you to know, church, the sacrifice was more than just burning the oxen and the plow. That oxen and plow were his way of making a living. It was his way of feeding himself and his family. That oxen and plow were his job and they were his identity. 
It was Elisha's way of saying, I'm burning every bridge. I am leaving my past and I'm, and I'm burning the bridges so that I cannot go back. True Christianity is when you don't even think about going back to Egypt from whence you have come. Egypt is a type of the world. And, the, and, and, and I got to break it to you today. The, the Lord Jesus has burned every bridge back to Egypt. We can't go back. And if you try to go back, you will find there's nothing there for you but dry sand sifting through disappointed fingers. You will find nothing in that world from whence you came. There's nothing there. When the Red Sea closed again over Pharaoh's army, and drown Pharaoh's army. It was God saying to the children of Israel who had crossed over, you can't go back to Egypt. The bridge is burned. All that's left for you is forward to the promised land. And all that is left for you and me is forward to the promised land. The call to follow Jesus requires the same level of surrender the Bible says that Jesus, listen carefully, quote, he summoned the crowd with his disciples, and here's what he said to them. If anyone wishes to come after me, if anybody wants to follow me, he must do three things. He must deny himself. He must take up his cross, and he must follow me. The first two are necessary to being able to do the third. You cannot follow Jesus unless you deny yourself and take up the cross. Because guess what will stop you from following Jesus? Yourself, your own will, your own desires. And so Jesus said, you're going to have to come to me like Elisha did in total surrender. And you're going to have to say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I yield myself to you. I'm not going to let my own wishes, my own desires, my own self, you see, your greatest enemy is not the devil, it's yourself. Because if yourself is crucified, the devil's got nothing to work with. Whoever wishes to save his life, Jesus said, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. I have a prophetic word for you today, church. There are some shaking times coming to this country. Some hard times are coming to this country. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be sifted. And those who have gone on with him in discipleship and apprenticeship and learned to deny themselves and crucify their flesh and pick up that cross and follow him are going to be the ones that shine and, and, and Lord willing, bring fresh revival to this land. But those who have been on the outside looking in, just playing church and playing religion, but not really walking with him on a daily basis and seeking his face, are going to be shaken and rattled and rolled and, and, and knocked out of the saddle. I don't know about you, but I want to stay steady and strong and influential and powerful and, and shining and, and salty in tough times. Total surrender is what Jesus taught. Too many Christians don't get that. There's carnal Christians and there's spiritual Christians. Carnal Christians live like the world and go to church on Sunday. Spiritual Christians go to church every day of the week. Not literally, but in their hearts. They seek the Lord every day. Total surrender. We know the disciples gave up their livelihood like Elisha did to follow Jesus. Peter gave up his fishing business and Matthew his tax collector position. One day, Peter said to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Total 
surrender. Does God have you? Does he have your heart? Does he have all of you? Is there anything you're choosing over him? I would encourage you today, lay it down. The Bible says that we should lay, lay aside every weight, put down every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Lay it down. Don't let anything, anyone, any place, anything keep you from ultimately, totally surrendering to Jesus Christ. Listen, it's in total surrender that you really experience the power of Christianity. Here's what God is saying to you and to me. I'll give all of me when you give me all of you. I'll give you all of me when you give me all of you. You're really not going to know the power of the gospel until you have totally, completely surrendered. There can be no apprenticeship without total surrender. So Elisha completely surrendered, left everything, and followed Elijah. And the next thing I see in Elisha's apprenticeship is total servanthood. The Bible says Elisha got up and followed Elijah and served him. On another occasion, King Jehoshaphat asked, Is there not a man who speaks for God here? Is there nobody we can ask to learn what the Lord would have us to do? We're looking for somebody with the word of the Lord. And one of the servants of the king answered, quote, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is among us. He poured water on the hands of Elijah. Elisha was known for how he had served Elijah. Poured water on his hands. That's a picture of servanthood. You know, I learned a long time ago, the way up in God's kingdom is down. If you want to be promoted, you serve. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. See, some people say, I'm too good to serve. That is to do little piddly squat stuff. But here's what happened with Elisha. Elisha just began to do whatever Elijah needed him to. He ran errands. He did this. He did that. He did the other. Whatever Elijah needed, he did it. He served. He waited on him. He took care of the menial things, the inconsequential things, the things where nobody was there to say, wow, you did a great job. He wasn't in the limelight. He was in the shadows. But he served with joy. And I'm telling you, the spirit of Jesus is to serve. We're big on servanthood here. We believe that every Christian has been given a gift, divinely and sovereignly by the Holy Ghost who lives within you. And when he gave you that gift, he said, now with it, the Bible says, go serve one another. Do you know that servanthood is the way you discover what God has really called you to do? When I gave my life to the Lord Jesus in total surrender, I got involved in a Bible study group. And the leader of that group picked me to do the menial things, just the little go-run errands things, and would you take care of this? And even sometimes would you string my guitar? And I would string his guitar for him, and yes, I do play guitar. I might get up here with it sometime, just so you'll know. I'm not saying in a solo. No solos coming from me. I'll be in the shadows just plucking. But here, I did the little things that whatever he needed me to do, and while I was serving in this house, serving in this ministry, just doing whatever the man of God needed me to do, it was there that God revealed to me my call to preach and to teach. And it was there that an anointing came upon me and a mantle came upon me to teach and to preach. 
Because the way up in God's kingdom is down. In the world, it is, if you want to get to the top, you scratch, you claw, you fight, you push, you lie, you deceive, you step on people. But in the kingdom of God, if you want to be promoted, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And don't consider anything too menial for you. Do it because Jesus gave us an example that we would serve one another. It says that Jesus washed the disciples' feet one day with water and a towel and said to them, I'm your teacher and Lord. I have washed your feet. You should wash each other's feet also. He was instituting and initiating in his followers the the principle of servanthood. You all know where the Holy Ghost dwells? He dwells in the presence of servanthood. Total servanthood. Not only is what Elisha did, but watch this. Servanthood gave him a ringside seat to the life and ministry of the greatest man of God alive on earth in that day. Because he was serving him and doing all the errands for him and, 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 and just there to take care of him. It provided the open door for him to learn the ropes of prophetic ministry. He got to see it like nobody else got to see it. He was there with him when he called fire down out of heaven and it consumed the sacrifice. He was there when this mighty man of God parted the water. He was there when he brought the word of the Lord in such a powerful way that people would be slain listening to him. The the prophet of fire, Elijah, was called. And Elisha, by serving, got a ringside seat. He got right in there in the middle of it. The more he watched, something began to happen to him. The more he watched, the more the desire grew to have a double portion of all that Elijah had done. Elijah performed seven great miracles in his life. And Elisha said, look what this man does. Look how people are blessed by him. Look at how he has almost single-handedly wiped Baalism out of Israel Look at how he's brought a whole nation to repentance. His life is so incredible. I want to be just like him. But something is moving in me. I'm experiencing the faith to believe that God will give me double what he did. He wanted to be just like the one he was following. And you know what happens when you start following Jesus in daily discipleship, daily apprenticeship? That means you get up and you get a Bible and you go somewhere and you close the door and you take the phone off the hook and you close People Magazine and you open up that Bible. Don't turn on Good Morning America. It will not lead you into the presence of the Lord. Uh, open up and let, and open up Good Morning Lord. Try Good Morning Lord instead of Good Morning America. Good morning, Lord. I'm here to hear from you. I'm here to be with you. I'm here to, to, to learn of you, to take your yoke upon me. Oh, Lord, speak to me today. Give me a word today. Settle me today. Strengthen my faith today. Help me to know you better today than I knew you yesterday. I want to grow. Do it, Lord, today and every day. I'm after you. I'm in hot pursuit of you. You are my all in all. You're my first and you're my last. You're the alpha of my life. And as we learn 
to seek Jesus and spend time with Jesus. Same thing that will happen, that happened with Elisha following Elijah will happen with you and me. We'll want to be more like him and more like him. And we will become more like him because that's how you abide in the vine. If you want to look like what the vine is producing, then, a, then abide in the vine. Spend time with him. And as we do, we can learn how to walk with God, how to love people how to defeat the devil, how to walk in purity, how to exercise kingdom power in our apprenticeship under Jesus. We ought to be able to sit here next year at this very same time and say, I'm so much further along than I was. I'm not on cruise control in my spiritual walk. I, I, am, in, I am in overdrive. I'm seeking the Lord with all of my heart because the time is short. Jesus is at the door. We don't have long to get done what needs to be done. It's time for every believer to stand up and to speak up and to seek his face and get so much Jesus that you can't keep it in and go out there and just let it spill into the highways and the hedges because they need what we've got in these four walls and it shouldn't stay here. You'll never really learn his ways sitting in the bleachers with one foot in the world and one in the kingdom cheering on those that are totally committed while you only watch. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Elisha totally surrendered and he practiced total servanthood. And then finally, and this is what I want to really focus on today. He practiced total perseverance, total surrender, total servanthood, and total perseverance. What's perseverance? It's when you keep on keeping on when you don't feel like it. Total perseverance is that steel that is in your spirit where you say, if the sun is shining or not, I'm still moving on with God. If things are going my way or not, I don't pick up my marbles and go home. I get stronger. I seek him longer. I move tighter into him. If times get tough, I get tougher because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So many people start well and end badly in their walk of discipleship. When the going gets tough, they opt for the easier life and they drop out. They don't practice the kind of perseverance that carries them into God's best. As soon as there's a little bit of persecution or whatever, and the heat of difficulty shines down on them and begins to cook them a little bit. They say, I didn't bargain on this. I believe I'll just step back a little bit and put the world first. Don't do it. Stay with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Put him first. The Bible says that Elisha had a dream. His dream was God's dream for him. He didn't just come up with something. His dream was the double portion. God put that in his heart. I would venture to say that the vast majority of people in this room have a dream. You have a dream of something God put in your heart. And you thought you were going to get there the next week. And now weeks have turned into months and months have stretched into years. And you're being tempted to faint. But the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap your dream if you do not faint. You will reap if you don't give up. You will reap if you keep on persevering. I want to talk to you, church, about perseverance, because if there was ever a day the church is going to have to persevere, it is now. But perseverance is a good thing. Elijah said, I want, or Elisha said, I want a double portion, Elijah, of what you've got. And even Elijah said, you've asked for a hard thing. But Elisha was determined. He said, God's given me a dream. It's burning in my heart. He's given me a dream. And I'm living for it and I'm dying for it. And I'm pursuing Elijah for it. 
The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 36, you have need of perseverance. Continuing on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. No matter what's going on in your life, how difficult it may seem, you have need of perseverance that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Our promises can't be obtained without perseverance. Romans 5, 3-4 says, Tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character. And character produces hope. And hope makes us not ashamed, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. When you've got your hope in the right thing, you will not be let down. Our hope is not in some fairy tale. Our hope is in a real Messiah who died for real sin, who rose from the real dead, who's coming back to get a real church. It's real. It's not a fairy tale. James 1.3 says, The testing of your faith produces perseverance, but let perseverance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How important perseverance is. You're not going to get where you need to be without it. Each test took place. Now, here the Bible records, and this really gets me. I, I noticed this, and it just jumped out at me. The Bible records that three times Elijah tested Elisha's determination and perseverance. Now, here's the deal. Keep in mind that Elijah told Elisha, you can have the double portion if, he put an if on it and he said, if you see me get taken up, if you're there and you see it, then you'll get the double portion. But you're going to have to watch me get raptured up. You're going to have to see it with your eye. And if you see it with your eye, you, Elisha, will get the double portion. He was calling him to close, tight fellowship with Elijah. Keep that in mind. So, they start making a journey toward the Jordan. It was at the Jordan where he was destined to be raptured. I went to the Middle East and I stood where they surmise Elijah was raptured by God. The second raptured man, Enoch the first, Elijah the second, so that God could show a future church that he can do it. Enoch was there and then wasn't. Elijah was there and they're walking towards the Jordan and they made three pit stops in three different towns. And the interesting thing is, is that it says, when the time came for the Lord to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, get this, stay here. Wait a minute. Stay here? Then Elijah said, for the Lord God has sent me to Bethel. You stay here in Gilgal, Elisha. I'm going to Bethel. Stay here. Now, I know what's going on in Elisha's mind. He's saying, stay here. You're going to Bethel. I'm going with you because you told me that everything I've dreamed about hinges on me seeing you get taken up. What do you mean telling me to stay here? What was happening was the prophet God was testing him because a great mantle of anointing was going to fall on his life. And Elijah knew he would have to have the character to carry such an anointing. So he wanted to know if he could continue, if he could persevere, if he would insist on God's best no matter what. So he tested him. Stay here, son. And he even said, please. Elijah rarely said, please. But he said, please, 
for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. Elisha said, I got to be there when you get taken up. Elijah was wondering, would he stop here or would he forge ahead? Would he persevere? Would he keep going? Now, interestingly, Gilgal means to roll oneself onto the Lord. How apropos. Because here's Elisha persevering in the call of God, pushing on, forging ahead. They have, he's followed him for years. I tracked it. He served Elijah for years. And now the moment of truth is coming. And Elijah, his master, literally says, stay here. He says, not me. I'm not staying here. And so we can surmise that essentially he rolled himself upon the Lord. And this is what we need to learn from this, that when you're having to persevere, let me tell you where your strength comes from. It doesn't come from your natural flesh. It does not come from willpower. Your strength comes from who you're walking with. Your strength comes from the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Do you know that it says they that wait upon the Lord? That word wait doesn't mean like you're sitting there at a bus stop waiting on the Lord. That's not what it means. It means to wrap yourself around. It's like if I took a kite string, I could easily break it with my hand. But if I take a kite string and wrap it around a steel cable, I can try and try, but I can't break that string because it's as strong as the cable it is wrapped around. You know how strong you are? You are as strong as what your soul is wrapped around. That's how strong you are. Here's the nitty-gritty of Christianity. It's not by might. It's not by personal power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. They that wrap themselves around the Lord, those are the ones that mount up with eagle, like eagles in tough times. Those are the ones that run and aren't weary, that walk and don't drop and faint. Those are the ones that obtain the promises. Those are the ones that break the tape at the finish line. Those are the ones who wrap themselves around God. If you could walk up to me in my morning devotional and say, what are you doing, Pastor Jeff? I'd say, I'm wrapping myself around the Lord. It's going to be a long day. There's going to be devils out there. There's going to be flesh out there. There's going to be temptations out there. There's going to be criticisms out there. So I'm bracing myself. I am strengthening myself. I am wrapping myself around the Lord because when I walk out that front door, it's not going to be in my strength. It's going to be in His Elisha responded and said, let me tell you something, Elijah, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I'm not going to stay here. I'm just going to roll myself onto the Lord and keep going. They made a second stop. The next stop on the way to Elijah's catching away was at Bethel. Again, Elijah said, stay here, please. (laughs) For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Test two. Now, Bethel means house of God. There's certainly nothing wrong with the house of God. But Elisha knew something, and we need to know it too. Elisha knew that he wasn't called to a place. He was called to a man. We're not called to anything in this world. We're called to the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to him. Elisha knew that 
He was not to stop at a place, but he was to, he was to walk with a man, no matter where that man went, because in that man was his destiny. Folks, in the man, the Lord Jesus Christ is our destiny. It's not in a place. It's not in another person. It's not in a thing. It's in a man. If you seek that man, Jesus Christ, the man, Jesus Christ, you will find your destiny and your fulfillment and all that you were ever meant to be. So here we see Elisha's refusal to take the good over the best. And that's a great test. That's a great test. So often we're tempted to settle for something good when we know that though it is good, it is not God's highest and best for us. You can have a good idea or a God idea. You can have what is good or what is of God. One O out of the word good makes a huge difference. We want God, not good. And there is a best in God. And sometimes when you look at something good and say, you know what, it really is good. But I know that this is not God's highest for me, so I'm going to leave the good and I'm going to go for the best. Because if I just stay with this man, my double portion is in that man. My double portion is in that Messiah. My double portion is in Christ. And I'm not going to stop for anything. So he said, as the Lord lives, I will never leave you. And he forged ahead. So Elisha persevered by rolling himself onto the Lord and by refusing the good to gain the best. And finally, last pit stop, Jericho, where Elijah again said a third time, stay here, please, for I've got to go to the Jordan. Now Jericho means place of fragrance, and it represented the place of past victories. It, re it represented what God had done, not what God would do. Jericho was the first city captured in the promised land. When the walls came crashing down, it was Jericho that encouraged them to go forward into the promised land because they won a great victory. It was a great positive thing, this place called Jericho. It was seared into the memories of every Jewish man, woman, and child. Jericho. How often are we tempted to pitch tent and build our house on past victories? Do you know that every denomination in the world began with a move of God? God did something in the past and they built a denomination on it. Now, I'm not coming against denominations. I'm just saying you can, you can hang your hat on what God has done or you can fix your faith on what God is going to do. I'm about to preach a little bit here today because I want to know, church, what kind of a believer are you? Are you just resting on your blessed assurance of what God has done? Or can you believe God for what he's going to do? I mean, I want to know what God's going to do. The Bible says, why do you ask, why were the better day or the, the former days better than these? The Bible says you shouldn't say the better days were, were, or the former days were better than these. Because when you say that, you're not speaking out of wisdom. Why is it not wisdom? Because the same God that did it then can do it now. If he did it once, he can do it again. If he moved back then, he can move up there. If God delivered you from a devil back then, he can deliver from ten devils up here. We don't need to look back there. We need to look up here. Faith looks forward. 
And Elisha said, I want fresh victories. I want the double portion. I thank God for Jericho. I can learn from Jericho. I can draw faith from Jericho. But Jericho, what God did, is not my final destination. It's what God's going to do that is my final destination. Church, let's don't be a people that look back and say, boy, God really moved back then. Oh, if we could just go back to those days of brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and that church and this church and the other church and this preacher and that preacher... Stop it! You say, oh, it's never going to be that good. Who told you that? God didn't tell you that. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, not already seen, not yet seen. And so we need to believe God to move now. We need to believe God for a new move. Is anybody with me here today? I thank God for what he did. I study it all the time, but I only study it so that I can look at what he's going to do. Faith reaches forward and says, I believe God for a new move. I believe God for that double anointing. I believe God for a new thing. Shall you not know it? Now it shall spring forth. I'm making roads in the wilderness. I'm making, I'm giving you rivers in the desert. I'm making a way for a new path. I'm going to do a new thing. So Elisha's powerful perseverance was revealed in the three places where he refused to stop. Gilgal, where he rolled himself onto the Lord. Bethel, where he refused the good for the best. And Jericho, where he refused to camp in past victories. And boy, was his apprenticeship rewarded. Because when they left that final place, Jericho, they started going to the Jordan. He passed the perseverance test. Total surrender. Total surrender, total servanthood, total perseverance. They're walking along. They get to the Jordan. You know he's watching him. I followed you for years. You're not getting past me. All of a sudden, the Bible says that chariots of fire appeared from heaven. Horses and chariots of fire appeared. And Elijah, in front of Elisha's eyes, was caught up immediately, whisked off into glory. Elisha saw it, and, and he wanted to be sure that Elijah, on his way up, and God, and everybody else knew, he, see, he saw it. So he said, my father, my father, the horsemen of Israel and the chariots thereof. In other words, I saw it, I saw it. Elijah disappeared. Something starts falling out of the sky. He saw it. Against that blue sky, something began to fall. It got larger and larger, grew bigger and bigger. Is it him? Is he falling again? He didn't know what it was. And phew, it hit the ground. Dust kicked up. He looked, and the same mantle that had been thrown on him years before for apprenticeship was now thrown his way again for rulership, to take authority, defeat the works of the enemy. It was Elijah's mantle. He picked it up. Fifty prophets were sitting on the other side of the Jordan River, and they were watching the whole thing. Elisha took that mantle, walked up to the river, hit the river and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the water first miracle of 14. 
The prophets on the other side had an obvious grasp of reality. They said, the spirit of Elijah now rests on Elisha. And it says they came and bowed down to him. What he had totally surrendered for, totally served for, and totally persevered for was now his. Now he's the man. Now listen, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God fell on the church. It was a call to apprenticeship, discipleship. The principle is that when you have totally surrendered and totally served and totally persevered, God trusts you with more. And will use a church that is totally surrendered to him. Now, you know what our country needs? It doesn't need a bunch of people playing, playing church, being religious, having a holy country club. It needs people who have gone through the ringer, people who have paid the price, people who are totally surrendered and totally serving him and totally persevering in the call of God, who will settle for nothing less than the best, who want that double portion. God will touch that church and use that church. And I pray to God, he raises up a hundred thousand churches like that because it's through the church that revival is going to hit this nation again, but not just any church, but a crucified Jesus loving, Jesus serving double portion anointing church. That's going to touch this country. Do you want to be a part of a church like that? I do. I do. Can we stand together? And I'm going to ask there be as little movement as possible. Unless you come forward in just a moment. And if this resonated with your spirit, can you give the Lord a hand of praise today and just say, I receive it, Lord. I receive it. Elisha went and did 13 miracles and died. He said, well, pastor, that's not 14. 14 is double seven. He died. They put him, his body in a cave. They buried him in a cave. His body decomposed where it was just a skeleton. And the Bible says that a soldier died, and they threw the soldier in that cave. When his dead body hit the bones of Elisha, he was resurrected. Miracle 14. God always keeps his word. Father, we just thank you right now for your promises, for your word. We pray in Jesus' name for a church with the spirit of Elisha. That Lord, we will press on into you. And if that's your heart, I want you to raise your hand today. Say, Lord, I want to serve you. Let's lift our hands to him. Lord, I want to serve you. Help me to totally surrender and serve and persevere. If there's anything standing between you and the will of God today, I want to encourage you, give it to him right now and totally surrender while we sing.